0: She is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide awake. Captured in the moment by the beauty
1: all around her. There's nowhere else that she would rather be. Hello and welcome. This is Karen Modokitis and you're listening to How She Really Does It. Where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT. FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us. Even you. Not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show... Now maybe you can see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. Welcome to How She Really Does It, a place where inspiration and possibility meet. We tend to think about our careers in a certain way, one job title, one way to do our jobs and live our work lives and then retirement. Marcy Alberher is here, bef- she was here before, and she made me and my listeners think of the job careers in a different way, as slasher careers. When I was interviewing her, I realized that I too an example of a slasher career. I'm a radio talk show host, a life coach, a swim coach and a director of a youth sports team. And even when I was a college professor, my title was full of slashes on the formal job description. I'll have links to the past interviews with Marcy on my website. And for today, Marcy's, gonna ret- Marcy's returning to talk about a new way to think about the second half of our careers, whether it comes about due to a forced layoff, or you're reentering the workforce after caring for your family, or maybe you have a deep desire to do something different. I invite you to listen to this interview to find out what could be possible for you. Marcy, hello and welcome back.
0: Well, thanks, Corinne. It's really nice to be here.
1: And I did forget to mention you have a new um, handbook called The Encore Career, which I'll have links to as well, which is just, you know, I get a lot of books, obviously, with having this show. And the, the book, I love it because it's not only inspirational because you talk to real life people and talk about their journeys, but it's also really full of practical advice. So I don't want to forget that The Encore Career Handbook. So um, so first off, can for my listeners who haven't seen this or haven't heard that terminology, can you first explain what an encore career is and who is it for?
0: Sure, sure. So um, basically, an encore career is later career work that combines um, kind of personal meaning, some kind of social impact, and for most people, continued income too, and really, The encore career came about because many, you know, we we've kind of ended this era that our parents and grandparents grew up in, where there was this ideal of working towards retirement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a number of reasons: Um, the recession, uh, longer and healthier lives, um, the, the lack of desire to disengage. People are not. Um, really striving towards reset retirement anymore. And those who want to retire are finding it harder to do that. So what has opened up is this new life stage from like your fifties to your seventies, where people would either be kind of inching towards retirement or slowing down and getting ready to kind of, you know, kind of go off the stage um, to a period where if you want to stay in the game you have lots of opportunities to do that and to use your talents in a way that can contribute um, both to giving yourself a personal meaning and to actually helping the world. I mean, what what this movement is about, is not just about reinvention. It's about reinventing in a way that re-energizes you, but also that kind of takes advantage of all the talent we have in the experienced workforce and applies that to solving some of the world's biggest social problems. So... I work for a nonprofit Encore. org that has really been spearheading the Encore movement, and it really is a movement. It's a, a movement of people who, uh, many of them, came of age in the '60s and they were activists then, and then they went off and they raised their families, and instead of like marching along towards retirement, they're really seized with the idea of wanting to make a difference in this um, this stage of a career, and are trying to figure out how.
1: Marcy, I wanna go back to something. I love how you called it it's not just about reinvention. And can you can you go a little bit more into details of how Encore career is different than just reinvention?
0: Yeah, yeah. So reinvention is like a buzzword that's like really mm-hmm. in the air right now, I think. <laughs> um, so and and many encores do involve a reinvention. They involve taking Maybe you've done, you know, one thing for 20 or 30 years and um, you're now ready to kind of focus your energies in a different direction. Um, And most encores do involve some kind of either reinventing or tweaking or reorientation. But the encores, you know, what we're tracking is the people who are using this life stage um, to do something that's bigger than themselves, to do something that serves the greater good in some way. And that could be true even if you've dedicated your whole career to doing something that has a kind of a social mindedness to it. We see teachers and social workers and public radio hosts and all kinds of um, people who were always doing work that had a social component to it, feeling that you wake up at midlife and suddenly you're feeling some feeling about needing to shake things up, maybe you're ready for a different set of challenges. It could even be that the field that you've been in for 20 or 30 years has, is changing so dramatically that you have to kind of reinvent and skill up whether you want to do something new or whether you want to stay in the game doing what you've always, always been doing. But what the, the kind of greater good part comes in is that, you know, you hit a point in life where you're thinking, you know, I, I may not have – as long ahead of me as I had behind me. Mm-hmm. And there's a very common feeling of wanting to make those remaining years matter in some kind of way.
1: So could we um, use you as an example about an encore career? We could, <laughs> but
0: I'm a little at the young end of this. So I don't usually like to tell talk about myself as an encore example because I'm 46, and I'm writing a lot about people who are kind of exploring this in their 50s and 60s, but I can tell you that I'm planning for an encore, and I will will say that um, we could use my career as an example of someone who's planning for an encore the same way as it used to be the norm to plan for retirement. So I had a few careers already. I was a corporate lawyer for the first decade of my career. I had a major crisis of conscience and decided I couldn't do that work any longer and I reinvented and I became a journalist <laughs> focusing on work and career issues and I did that for about 10 years. And then um I really got caught up. I was a freelancer and everything was going really well for a while. I was writing mostly for the New York Times where I had my own column and blog called Shifting in Careers and that's how I met Karin and it was very popular. And in the midst of all the downsizing in the media. The New York Times canceled my column and blog back in, I think, 2008. And I found that I was in the same position as all these people that I'd been writing about who were going through these um, layoffs and trying to figure out how to stay relevant in today's workforce. And I had to figure out how I was going to use the skills that I had in a way that felt um, valid to me and that felt useful and that felt that I was contributing in the way I wanted to contribute. And I didn't really like the way um I the way the direction that I saw a lot of the media going in and with my skills I wasn't sure I was gonna be able to find the kind of work I wanted to do. And it turns out that moving into the nonprofit sector um to this organization, Encore.org, was the perfect match for my skill set, which was um, writing and speaking and advocating on issues around work. And I found a way to do it that had kind of a, a policy agenda that I really cared about that I thought was going to be really important for the future. And I made that change in my mid-40s. And what's clear is that I am setting myself up. I had to learn a whole bunch of skills about how nonprofits work, how, um, how 501c3s work, how um, how to kind of go from being a neutral journalist to an advocate on a social issue, a whole bunch of different things. And I also had to learn how to be part of a team. I had worked independently for mm-hmm. the prior 10 years of my career. I was now a, a staff member of a larger organization. So I i am setting myself up for something that I'll probably be doing for years to come, and I may get new training along the way, because I don't believe I'm ever going to be slowing down. I don't think retirement is going to be part of my future. So if you're thinking about a longer work span, where many of us are going to be working well into our 70s, well, then your mid 40s and 50s can really be about preparing for the next act, right?
1: Mm hmm. Well, wasn't retirement really when um, we had different kinds of jobs? And one, physically, we could no longer do it and our also our lifespans were a lot different, too.
0: Right. I mean, now that we're that most of the people you probably talk to are doing knowledge work, you know, really we have we have moved away from an industrial economy to a knowledge-based economy, and you know our bodies don't wear out the same way. Mm-hmm. So there are still many people who are going to hit natural retirement age and, and and need that break. And this encore movement is not designed to take that away from people. <laughs> and I think you know everybody should make a choice about what's best for them, but. Um, we, a vast majority of people in this country, are now doing work um, that is not so physically taxing that they need to shut down.
1: hmm And.
0: But it, it, yeah, it also, you know, I do want to also put it out there though that at, at the encore stage, people are not necessarily interested in working the way that they worked before. So I've interviewed hundreds of people now in all kinds of encores, and many people feel um, that it is time to work a little differently, that they may not want to work full-time. They may want to work flexibly. They may want to divide their time between more than one place that they want to live. They may want to spend time with grandchildren and travel or hit some things on their bucket list. I think all of those life dreams that people have, they don't go away. It's just that people want to stay engaged, and they're really interested in finding ways to do that that fit in the with the other life goals that they have.
1: Well, in in your book, you also mentioned how financially things may have shifted. Responsibilities, maybe the kids are out of college now, so maybe that income stream that you had to have that had to look a certain way is maybe different. Um, so the right. priorities can shift, and maybe you can take a lesser paying job if that is kind of in the direction that you're pursuing. So there's there's kind of like right. the practical awesome. realities.
0: Right. So, you know, it, 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 it goes back to, you know, that you know, we all are so accustomed to the uh, financial planning mindset where you sock away money um, every month and we're conditioned to do that. We build up our 401K all for the point that we're saving to the point where we can live off our investments or our pension or um, something that doesn't have to do with our own work. In the Encore model, maybe you've been – lucky and smart enough that your investments are there for you but for so many people that's not even the case these days but whether you're also whether you're saving and managing your money on the side you're also planning for a time where your own income can be part of what takes care of you in that life in that next life stage and that gives you a lot of options and as you said you also may be hitting a life stage where you may be in a different place on your housing lots of people hit the encore stage and become empty nesters so they can downsize their home, or they've paid off their mortgage, and that gives them a relief of pressure. So, you know, it's it's not always, you know, completely tidy. At the same time, people are dealing with elder care. Mm-hmm. That adds a certain layer of pressure and something that you have to work around. But as you'll see in the book, we, you know, I talked to a bunch of financial experts. I really tried to educate myself on this and figure out what people are doing on the financial side to make things work. And the numbers add up. If you build in a part-time encore job, or a full-time job that may pay a little less than what you were used to, if you can work on some other factors of your life, most people are finding that the numbers are working.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I love, because it's what you said earlier about um, there's not just one way, right? And so the, the, even this encore career, there's not a right way. It's about looking at what works for you? What are all the different elements in your life currently and maybe in 10 years? And how can you build into that instead of thinking, again, that there's just this one path?
0: Right. And maybe, you know, it might even be helpful to talk about what some of these Encore careers look like because they're so different. I mean, it could be everything from a teacher who, after 30 years of teaching um, and being on our feet every, every day, says, you know what? I'm ready to let somebody else take over in the classroom and I want to work on policy reform because I know so much from having taught for all of those years. Or it could be an, engineering, an engineer who worked for a big company and, and find, um, goes on a trip to Africa and start, starts to realize that, wow, there's a technology that could be brought over to help bring clean water to a village and starts an NGO um, in another country. And raises money for a nonprofit. I mean, it could look all kinds of different ways. And what we're seeing is that these encores really weave together, usually strands that existed in people's lives already. So what was it that was always lurking for you? Did you want to work with young people? Did you want to travel and live overseas? You know, what are the things that you might want to build into your life and not just your work that a new kind of work could help you do?
1: Well, and so, can you talk about as um going back to you, and then we'll go further into this, is how you're planning now for your encore career, right? Because you've gave some good examples of different types, and I think one of the steps that listeners may want to know is like, okay, well, how do you plan for that?
0: right, So you know it's interesting. I would just say, um I am still really th- I really still think of myself as in in the heart of my primary career and and kind of figuring out. I mean, I, this, with this encore work, I'm pretty steeped in it. And I have a feeling this is the work that will define me for quite a long time. But by doing this work, I'm connected to a lot of different worlds that I care about. So I've always you know, I've been a writer and a journalist for a long time. This allows me to keep that strand alive. I write up eds. I've written a new book. I'm still very much in the world of writers and authors. And I also talk to the media all the time. And Uh, that's a big piece of what my life is also. Um, I'm also doing work with higher education because this encore idea is starting to take hold in a lot of colleges and universities where people colleges and universities are realizing that their alumni are coming back to their alma maters and saying I need to retrain for the next half of life I want to go back to school so a lot of higher ed institutions are paying attention to this encore idea and developing programs. So for someone like me, I'm telling you a few different strands of my work that I really like. And you can imagine that if one day I wanted to move in another piece of this work, look at the network that I've laid out, right? I've laid out that I've got these connections in the higher ed world, and I've got these connections in the media world, and I've got an identity as an author, and um, and it, you know this, this is kind of the network that would probably carry in, me into the next stage were I to want to reinvent and shift into something else to do with this kind of work.
1: Okay. And then for a teacher, I love that example about a teacher who may be tired of teaching and being on their feet and who wants to go into policy reform. And that sounds like such a great idea because they have knowledge and information and the realism of being on ground zero. So how would a teacher go about uh, planning for an encore career?
0: Right. So um, I would say while still teaching, and one of the best things, Corinne, I love that you're asking about this kind of in terms of how we can plan for the future. Well, I would say while that teacher is still active, she should get involved in what's going on in her own community, get to know some people on the school board, get to know um, the superintendent and get to know how how things operate on the ground, how does the union work, what are the what are the things that have been, can you get involved in any committees that would give you an inside look at how policy decisions are made in the community where you live. So all of that is things you can do while you're still working that allow you to explore kind of what the future could look like, and what parts of that landscape are interesting to you, and what you'd find if you spend a little time while you're still in your main career, looking around, you may find that what you think interests you doesn't interest you. (laughs) You may find that you learn some things that open your eyes. A lot of things aren't so interesting when you really dig into them, or they're just not a good fit. Um, And you may find that you just get pulled in a direction and sucked into something. And when that happens, you should pay attention to that because you're being, you know, you're, you're You're sending yourself subtle cues that that's where you want to go.
1: Okay. And it also helps if you're in your current profession, because doesn't it help just with your mindset? You're not coming from a fear place. You're coming from a place of, let me go test this out without that. Oh my goodness. How am I going to pay for my mortgage tomorrow?
0: Right. And you're confident when you, when you're sitting in a meeting, because it's valuable to have a teacher on the committee and you are that teacher and people are going to listen to you. You, and we keep going back to the teacher bit, but Mm -hmm. you know, she's a good example. Uh, I think you've hit it on the head. There is a certain confidence that comes out of not needing something at that very moment.
1: I like that because it takes away, it's not, it's not a transaction. I call those transactional relationships when you're walking in and you need something right now, right here. There's a different feeling mm-hmm. towards it versus the opportunity and the mindset that can happen when you go and you test something out. And you can. And you
0: know, obviously, uh, Karen, there's going to be some people who don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think we should talk to those people too. Um, so if you've been laid off or you find yourself suddenly at this decision point, the, not because you chose to be there, mm-hmm. but because. Uh, circumstances sent you there. That doesn't mean that it's it's not possible to do it. So many of the people that I interviewed about their encore shifts didn't get to a, a place of um, their own choosing. And there, there's still ways to put yourself in situations where you remove that transactional aspect that you talked about. And I love that phrasing. And one of the best ways to do it is to go and volunteer, mm-hmm. where. You're doing something because you care about the issue or the cause or um, the um, organization in your community that you want to help. And you're there, and you make that choice um, very willingly, that you're going to go and immerse yourself in some kind of volunteer activity to learn more about something you're interested in. And you have to be willing to do it without saying, I'm only doing this because I think it's going to lead me somewhere. So you (laughs) should pick something that you want to do, regardless of of what's going to happen. And what people tend to find is one of the best ways to get sucked into the nonprofit world and the world of kind of mission-focused work is to get out there, get on the ground, lend your skills, um, offer to do a pro bono consulting project or some other kind of what, what we call high-impact volunteering where you're not looking envelopes but you're really using your skills in a way that people are going to notice.
1: And you also talk about in your book that Encore Career Handbook about if you do need that money right away to pay for your, your mortgage and say you've had a layoff that has occurred, then go and look at, there was a story about the gentleman who worked at Walmart when he was trying to figure out what he wanted to go do. And then he eventually became the director of, um, is it Agapi? Agapi? uh the ministry, I think it's down in LA. And how yeah. actually that, that starting out in Walmart and then working in the different temporary jobs there gave him skill sets that actually helped him to be the director of this major nonprofit later on.
0: Right. I mean, I love that example because that guy um, never thought that taking a, you know, an assistant manager position at a Walmart was going to help him in this work he wanted to do um, kind of in the nonprofit sector. And what he found is he ended up moving to a nonprofit um, that managed a food pantry and one of the things it had to do was go out and form partnerships with all kinds of purveyors of um, kind of uh, non-perishable foods and uh, boxed goods and who better to have a relationship with than the biggie like Walmart who you could go out and form partnerships with. So you, know, you never know that the ways that the thing you did to just get that stopgap job mm-hmm. can be useful in some other way
1: yeah because like the Walmart job was an example of a transactional relationship. he was going to work there because he needed to have an income stream. It wasn't something that he wanted thought he would do for the rest of his life or thought it would even benefit him for his what he wanted to do in this next phase of his career, but it wound up leading to give him some skills that he was able to take went into the to the job that he really wanted to have
0: right and, and also I think having one of those stopgap jobs that pays the bill, it can also do something else for you. It can free you up emotionally and mentally so that you're feeling better about yourself every day. And and volunteering has a piece of that, too, because the volunteering can often make you feel good and useful. And you're getting out of the house and you're going somewhere and you're making a contribution and you're feeling significant. All of those things affect your self-esteem, affect how you present yourself when you go and talk to other people. I think the, the the most dangerous position to be in when you're trying to move into something new is to be a person who has too much time on your hand. Who, um, you know, what ends up happening is you go and have conversations with people, and you're not you're you're not that engaged. So you're not in in your best position to make good connections in a conversation and have recent things you've been doing to talk about and. Yeah, I think we all can fall into that, oh, no, just too much time on the computer, too much time if, if TV is your thing, too much time doing something that's not making you feel really useful. And really, so many people find their encore work by getting involved in their community, and you can do that um, you know, in a lot of different ways while you're testing out the waters to figure out where you belong.
1: Or you could have too much time on Facebook, which leads you to comparing and despairing how everybody has these wonderful lives or jobs and you're sitting at home unemployed.
0: Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so what about, let's go to the other example that you gave, because I love this, the engineer who goes to Africa and then comes back inspired that he wants to help, you know, in a, in a big sense, change the world, but in a way that with skill sets that he has, how does one go about doing that?
0: Right. So, I mean, in that kind of situation, uh, I always say, you know, we all have have things that we know we would want to do if we had the time. And often people, when they're winding down their primary career, either because they're at retirement age or they're just ready to explore something new, one of the best things you can do if you can afford to do it, and a lot of people, even without a lot of means, figure out ways to afford to do this, is to give yourself some kind of structured time off. You know, a year would be ideal, like a gap year for Mm grown-ups before you plunge into the next thing. But maybe even three or four months, and there's a whole section of the book where we talk about how to structure those kinds of little um, kind of mini-gap experiences. And think about what you could do in that period that lets you both kind of free some brain space, um, get some distance from what it was you've been doing before, But start to put yourself in worlds you want to visit. (laughs) So for that engineer who went to Africa, that was literally travel. For other people, it's just hanging around in different communities. It's showing up at different kinds of places. I remember when I wanted to be a writer and I was leaving the law world, I spent a lot of time doing things that writers do. I took classes. I went to readings. I hung out where other writers were hanging out. And before long, my world started to shift. I knew more people who lived in that world. Um, more of my emails related to my life as a writer than my life as a lawyer. All these little visible indices of my change started to be noticeable. And if you give yourself a little time, you can go visit a few different worlds and see in that same period, I visited a high school where I was thinking of teaching and I did some substitute English teaching. I knew after one day of substitute English teaching that that was not for me. I could not believe that. I felt like a student myself again. I got into the classroom and I thought, I'm not allowed to leave. Like, what if I want to go to the bathroom or make a phone call? Like, i it felt so, I felt that like I was in prison. It could not handle being around a, a whole room of adolescents and being the only adult. There were a whole bunch of things that felt wrong to me. Yet in the abstract, that sounded like just the thing I would want to do.
1: hmm so, hence the need to test it out and to see if the theory really meets the reality.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Um, I, I love the idea about the uh, the gap year and giving you some time because don't we, especially like, and it may be harder because some people and I know a lot and I've had a lot of listeners go through this where they've all of a sudden had a sudden unexpected job loss and I mean, especially high level executives. So it may be something that they may or may not be able to do is, you know, to give themselves that kind of grieving space to move forward. But isn't that, I mean, I guess even going to Walmart, like with the gentleman in your book where he went to Walmart, it at least gave him some sort of a structure. It gave him something to do so that he wouldn't get into this kind of nasty mindset, right? And made him be a bit more productive where then it allowed him to kind of, I guess be more empowered to put himself out there for other jobs. Tell me where I'm wrong with that
0: right right. He, he had a period of of um of trying to make things work without taking a job like that and then was just really ready to to get the job and kind of have some place that provided the income needs he had and also gave structure to his life. We all know how important structure is, and even if you're going to do some volunteering. I think of it as going to the gym, put it on the calendar, mm-hmm. uh, make a commitment to some you know, some organizations, find, do your homework. One incredible thing about volunteering today is so many of the volunteer opportunities that exist are very well organized and you could be, and that, and that should be a high criteria. If you're going to volunteer, you should be really looking at, um, does the organization have a good way of dealing with volunteers? Will you be properly managed? Will, is, are there good you know, communication systems in place? So make sure that volunteers are doing something that's needed. Um, Are your skills able to be used? I mean, there is, you know, volunteering is now um, a little like dating. You could go onto sites like Volunteer Match and put in all your specs and what hours you're available and what you're looking for, and you'll be matched up with opportunities near you. These kinds of, you know, formal structural ways to volunteer never existed before. And um, there are all kinds of organizations like the Taproot Foundation where, um, people who are in transition, as um, with all kinds of great skill sets, could work on consulting teams to consult pro bono to nonprofits who need various projects, like the design of a new website or marketing materials or uh, you know fundraising strategy. And and this is a great way um, to give yourself both one of those examples of trying something on to give yourself that structure and that um, that sense of feeling useful and a way to really go out and, and see uh, what different worlds are like and do a limited engagement without a full-on commitment.
1: Well, I think that's just great advice. Also good ways
0: to, there, there are also good ways, to, um, to build your uh, resume. Um, some of this work should go right on your LinkedIn profile as a piece of work that you've done. Um,
1: that's great advice. I'm laughing because I think about my LinkedIn profile, and it needs work. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing for me to do, but I'll get to it.
0: Um, Corinne, you're a little You're a little like what is it the the shoemaker with um Hals and,
1: and <laughs> the, the cobbler whose uh, children has no shoes. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: exactly. You caught me on that. <laughs> um, so I I have something that you talked about in the the encore career, which I think is a really important point and uh, that you made and especially for people who were in their 50s, because, you know, the story that's out there is, oh, well, once you're in your 50s, you're no longer wanted nor useful in this workforce. And you had different information and a different take on that. And I was hoping you would share that with my listeners.
0: Sure. So having now interviewed many, many people in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s in the workforce and a couple in their 80s as well, um, it's very clear that um, age discrimination certainly exists. It's it's more prevalent in some industries than others. It's pretty heavy in the technology industry. It's um, also heavy in a lot of industries that um, are just youth centric and maybe appearance centric. I mean, we all know how hard it is for aging actors to get good roles, mm-hmm. um, unless you're Meryl Streep or you know a handful who have really you know made their name. So, but every everyone who hits a certain age starts feeling. Um, that there is this sense that you know employers are looking for younger, cheaper, more tech focused, whatever, whatever the way it comes out. But the people who have reinvented in encores and the people who seem to be succeeding, somehow they are not worried about that. And whenever I talk to somebody who tells me about their experience finding a new gig, what can't what comes out or is is consistent in every single story, which is, that mindset really matters. Um, mindset about how, you, how prepared are you for the positions that you're talking about doing? How steeped are you in the work you want to do? Those people who are really, in, you know, who have already moved into the world they want to live in and they know what the issues are and they know where they fit in and they've done their homework and they know what skills are needed and they make sure they have those skills, they never seem to talk about age discrimination. Now, it's also possible that they are self-selecting and they're also picking fields that value age and experience. And the book has this Encore Jobs hot list at the back of it. And um, one of the reasons I included that is I wanted to highlight some of the fields that really value age and experience. And basically, it's any field that has to do with mentoring, counseling, leading. Uh, There's a bunch of things that we get better at as we age, and it's really smart to focus on um, your encore on thinking of ways you could use those kinds of skills. And a lot of those jobs happen to be in certain fields that are going to be high growth going forward, like healthcare, where there are many, many fields where having lived a bit and having had some health experiences yourself mm-hmm. is going to make you, um, it, you know, it is going to serve you well. And um, I'm I'm astonished by the number of encore stage people who are becoming nurses and who are you know which we think of as a job that's so hard, hard on your feet. Um, I talk to many many people in their fifties who are going through nursing programs because there's so high a demand for nurses right
1: now. Well, and then nursing you can go into so many different avenues. I right. mean, and right. that may not be even as physically taxing as some of the jobs that we think of in nursing.
0: Right, and then there's all these newfangled jobs in healthcare like. Wellness coaches and healthcare mm-hmm. navigators, and all the layers of assistance we're going to need that are going to help people um, stay healthy rather than just being treated by your healthcare system when they are having diseases already. And this is a big direction the whole healthcare industry is going for, which is wellness care rather than just illness care. And that's opening up a lot of very interesting job possibilities.
1: So I want to go back to the mindset piece because I think that part is really, really important, right? Because especially if if you've been laid off suddenly and and you're in your fifties or early sixties and you're going, well, there's just it's just not possible for me. Won't that person just really kind of get in the way of being resourceful for themselves?
0: Right. So rather than kind of stewing that, I'd say you know, start doing some work about figuring out what you want to do and thinking about what kind of new training you might need. The minute you start getting into that proactive place of getting some new education, getting out there and seeing, well, what it would take to stay in the game or to do what it is that you want to do, you're taking control of the situation rather than sitting there and thinking, why, you know, why is this not working out for me?
1: Mm -hmm. Or why did this happen to me?
0: Right, or
1: why did this happen to me, yes. <laughs> Which we can all sit there and do sometimes, but we just don't want to pitch a tent in it. Um, so, and I, I think that, and that part is so important is that mindset. And do you see that as all the people that you interviewed, is that kind of the differential between the people that were able to make um, quote unquote successful career encore careers versus those that maybe had a more difficult time?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing I see with the people who successfully transitioned is no one will say it's easy. So many of them had detours and wrong turn, but it takes a combination of knowing what your, your talents are and what you bring to the table and what skills you have and having also at the same time, a healthy dose of humility and knowing what do you need to learn? What do you need to do, um, to, um, to skill up if you're, not in the position to do what it is you, you've decided you want to do. And those people who then decide, you know, I'm really going to work on getting myself some tr- education. I meant people who showed up at job placement centers, at um, community colleges, and saw what was offered and took advantage of that. And before you know it, you don't even know what opportunities are out there until you start investigating and start putting yourself out in the world a little bit.
1: And skill sets can be learned, can't it not?
0: Well, it depends on you know what we're talking about, you know. I um but there's there's plenty of skills that can be learned. Um, it depends on who you are and what mm-hmm. your, you know, inclinations are. I don't think I could ever learn to become a physicist. I know well- this about
1: myself. <laughs> No, but it's I mean, like, and I love the example of your career. And that's why I brought it forth is that, you know, you started as a lawyer, and then the skill sets that you learned in law school, and I've interviewed quite a few lawyers who have turned into other professionals, and they will never say that they that they regret the expense, the time, or um, of doing that career that it's actually served them in their current profession. I mean, Gretchen Rubin would be an example, right? She was a she was a lawyer and she clerked for, I think, Sandra Day O'Connor and um and she's an author. You're an author. I've had other lawyers who become entrepreneurs or who go into and they take that because they are able to um use the skill sets that they developed in law school and apply it in other areas. Jonathan Fields is another guest of mine who has done that in the entrepreneurial world, right? And uh, so it sounds like with your example is you've been able to take this skill set and then build upon it in certain areas that still are in line with um, maybe your core skills. Right. You know,
0: I think about it instead of um, thinking about it as learning new skill sets, I would say is thinking about how your skills translate to something else. Okay. me, you know, I was always very interested in advocating and writing and speaking and research and interviewing. And I did all of those things as a lawyer. Um, and when, when I became a journalist, I was clearly using all of those same skills, but I was applying them in very new ways. But I didn't just wake up and learn how to do that. I first thing I did is I took I did two or three things, which which seemed to be the pattern of what everybody does when they're making these shift. I took a lot of classes. I talked to a lot of people. And I went to a lot of events. So I took classes on how to how to do various kinds of journalism. I went to conferences. I listened to speakers. Today, you could do so much through webinars. I mean, when I did this oh, almost 12 years ago, we didn't have the ability to just get on a website, you know, all kinds of websites and do webinars and online classes, which are now widely available and often wildly inexpensive or free. So there are tutorials on just and so many things you might need to know. If you want to get into the nonprofit sector and you're a good writer and you want to learn grant writing, there are wonderful classes online you could take on how to do grant writing and get a certificate perhaps. That's something you could put on your resume. And it's a really – so I, I think you're right to think about the skills and the key is to just think about what it is you want to do and then look back and say, what skills did I already have? and and just learning the world, the way a new part of the world works. And the best way to do that is start talking to people who live in that world, ask them what they do, ask them what they would do to get trained now if they were going to come into their field. Could be that what they did 20 years ago to get in that field isn't the right way to get into it today. Mm
1: -hmm. I love how you say focus on a new way of part of the world because all these different areas that we've talked about, they're parts of the world and they all function a little bit differently. It's not the whole world with that idea of one path.
0: Right, right. You, you know, it's all, I, I mean, people always say, you know, I'm a hitting a certain age. What skills do I need to catch up? And the answer is going to be really different depending on what you want to do. You know, you may have to learn social media if you are in a field where social media is very important. But this whole idea that if I want to move careers, I suddenly have to learn how to do social media has kind of seeped into every middle-aged person's consciousness. (laughs) And unless you're doing something where social media is important, you may not have to learn it. And and that always just makes me laugh.
1: (laughs) But there's, there's, there's a lot of fear about that, too, with a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Oh, my goodness, I have to learn this so that I can stay up with the young people.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, so when you ri you, you talked a while ago about your own network and how you've created with even with the job that you currently have, and then they were stepping stones from other you know, you had done this before, but it sounds like networks and the network and I, I don't really like that word networking, but who you know, who you're connected with, that is an important um resource for us as we go into these Encore careers?
0: Sure. I mean, I think that your networks and your web of relationships is really important in every kind of career transition.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Encore
0: career transition is no different. The benefit of people at the Encore life stage, there's there's two benefits to me of uh, thinking about this web of relationships and your network in an Encore transition. One is you've, you've lived a while and you probably have uh, deep networks that go back for years and relationships from all different corners of your life. People, you know, if you are a mom and you've been out of the out of the paid workforce, but doing a whole lot in your community for the last fifteen years, you may find that your most important relationships are people you know from your kids' schools or mm-hmm. from your a place of worship or some other community or from, you know, the soccer field. <laughs> some I've seen people move into, make major career moves through those kinds of relationships all the time. Um, so think about what's already happening in your life rather than thinking about, oh, I've got to think very consciously about who's a person that I can network with. The people <laughs> that you can network with are the people you see every day. <laughs>
1: That goes back, I guess that's why I don't like that word networking, because I think of it as in terms of a transactional relationship, and it's not really a transactional. Maybe maybe
0: you just, every time you're going to use that word, just substitute, help each other. And instead, instead of saying, who can I network with, saying, who who can I be in a good relationship to help one another with? You know, who can I, who can I help, and who needs help near, you know, who can I help, and who might I go to for some help?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's more giving. I like that. I like that way better. Um, what are some other first steps for people that, and like you said, so this, this can be somebody who's currently in a job who's maybe thinking about the next phase because maybe they don't want to retire or maybe financially can't afford to retire. It could be about somebody who's lost a job or even like you just mentioned, maybe it's a parent who's now reentering the workforce because their family dynamics now has changed for some reason or another. So what would, be, what would be the first steps that you would recommend that they go through? I think
0: the first thing has to be something that, that's uh, internal, which is a real assessment of what, is, what really matters to you. What do you think you really want to do with the time you have left in your career? And um, you can get to that in a lot of different ways. You'll see there's a whole chapter of the book that has exercises that we created just for this kind of assessment. So I always encourage people to, if you have the book, um, go sit in your favorite place to have a cup of coffee or tea and treat yourself to dreaming a little. And Go through these exercises not with this um, sense of having to know the right answers, but just letting yourself kind of go wherever you want to go. But there are other ways to do this also. You can do uh, kind of a 360 review exercise with a few people who know you well. Get a few people together, offer to cook them dinner, and see if they're willing to give you some feedback on what people think are the moments of your life where you've been uh, most engaged or seemed most fulfilled or um, shined your best. And it might be interesting to see the thoughts. If you're stumped, it might be interesting to see what other people around you think you're best at and think that you've already made big contributions and you know, that you could have a lot of impact in certain areas. It's always nice to hear how other people are viewing you and then see if that lines up with anything that you might
1: want to do. Yeah, because we can have our own blind spots, can't we? And not see, um, see oh, or sure. appreciate.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And um, what about health insurance? Because this, I mean, this is, you know, you open the newspaper on any given day and health insurance is always kind of the topic. So what have you seen with people who have done encore careers as uh what they've done with the health insurance piece.
0: So, um, you know, obviously it's a big challenge. And, you know, for so many people, um, 65 is a magic number because when they hit 65, they're suddenly on Medicare and they've got the freedom to make, um, you know, different decisions because they're not tied to a job. So um, for people who haven't hit that yet, I've seen a lot of people make the decision that if you're part of a couple – that one person will carry the keep the job with the health insurance to give the other person some flexibility. So I've seen a lot of people who go back and forth like that, um, and and it's another it's it's I've seen people take keep a job for the health insurance, but take it down to thirty hours or whatever the minimum is required to keep health insurance. So that's another good way to think about it. You know, there is some hope on the horizon with the way these health care exchanges are going to work. And for pe- people particularly who are older, um, one of the biggest expenses of health insurance is, and one of the biggest obstacles, is how hard it is to deal with pre-existing conditions and mm-hmm. getting health insurance. And as these health exchanges come into play, which is going to happen around 2014, um, it, there's a promise of things being much, much easier for people getting um, more affordable health care and not getting turned away for pre-existing conditions. And I would say AARP has some wonderful information on health insurance. There's information in the book as well, but you've got to do your homework and it has to be part of your financial plan to figure out where your health insurance is going to come from.
1: So there are lots of different possibilities and it's really about looking into it and being resourceful and not being fearful or letting that be the limiting factor for people. Because right. It's, again,
0: ways. it's about planning a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite stories of people who have done encore careers and the transitions that they've made?
0: Oh, man, I have so many. Um <laughs> just on a panel here in New York City where I live um, with a guy who's in his 70s, and uh, he's been doing his encore for about eight years already, and he was a cosmetics executive. He worked on a lot of uh, makeup labels that you would have heard of and he had, he he did formally retire and when he retired he was about 65 and he played golf a little bit and he quickly got very bored and he didn't didn't want to kind of settle into that life stage and his wife suggested he do this program called principal for a day i don't know if you've heard of it it's it's popular in It's very popular in New York where you're assigned to a particular public school and you get to be the principal for a day, Mm -hmm. and you spend time in the classroom. Well, he has to be put in a very rough school um, because he didn't want a cushy experience, and the organization sent him to a school on Rikers Island, the prison, and he ended up teaching um, in a GED program on Rikers Island, and he connected so well with the boys in this school that he re- he decided to go back the next year. And the next year, he refined his way of teaching, and he really connected with them, and he came up with this whole way, really bonded with these, these young men, and he couldn't believe that they were relating to him, this guy who had a pretty fancy background, and most of them who- who'd had you know just really, really hard-scrabble life experiences – and he basically found a way to talk to them about what got them into prison and what skills they had that might help them in the world. And he talked to each one of them as if um they had business skills, but they were just not thinking about them properly. So, you know, if all they knew was how to sell drugs, somebody was a marketer. and you know <laughs> somebody else was really good. you know, and he kind of got to know his the guys in his class and he helped them think about themselves, and he mentored them in a way that nobody ever had. And long story short, um, within a couple of years after that, he started an organization called Getting Out, Staying Out that helps young men who have recently been released from prison uh, find mentors and stay out of prison. And he's dramatically reduced the recidiv- recidivism rate in Rikers Island. And he found this incredible meaning in this work that he never thought he would be able to do. And he's working harder than he ever worked in his executive <laughs> career. And it was just, And what was interesting is... He talks a lot about those transferable skills, that um, the skills he needed to succeed in business are the same exact skills that he needed to start the successful nonprofit and to sell his idea to foundations who would fund him. And, um, you know, it, it was all, you know, very transferable to him. And it wasn't a direct line. I mean, it took a long time and it took trying things out. But what helped him see the opportunity was that he tried something out. And he tried something out just because his wife suggested it, and it turns out his wife has been in the nonprofit sector their whole marriage, and she really was his mentor all along the way. So finding mentors is a theme that comes up again and again. Who's going to help you through this transition? Do you have somebody who's gone through it before who could be your rock a little bit um, and taking that pay-or-forward idea, you know, knowing that you'll take that that roll on for somebody else who needs it down the pike, but... I think we all need help in getting to these new places and careers. And, you know, I recommend that people form groups to do this together. Mm -hmm. And we created this Encore Transition Group Guide that's a free download on the book's website for people who want to do this kind of work together in a group.
1: Well, I, I think that's just so important to have that place where you can, it's a safe place where it's somebody that you can trust, where you can be vulnerable, right? Because, there's, especially if you've been laid off or if you're a certain age and you think that um, maybe, you know, you're outdated, there may be some shame, but if you can have a safe place, then you can, that can allow you to flourish, don't you think?
0: Sure. But I think as this guy, Mark Goldsmith, I was just talking about shows, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of the skills that allow you to do things in the world are not going out of date, um, not expiring anytime soon. So, If you know how to get things done and maybe you need a refresher on the tools that people are using today, that's something you can learn.
1: I love that story about him and the fact that he did it not because he was thinking, how can I change the world? It was something that his wife had said, hey, why don't you go be principal for a day? And then look what had happened out of that experience. He had
0: no (laughs) idea where that was going to lead. Exactly.
1: (laughs) I love that. That is great. Um, So finding mentors, so as we go into the takeaway portion of this interview, what would you say are the two big takeaways um, for the listeners who are, you know, found themselves at the beginning stages of their Encore career?
0: Well, I would say um, give yourself some time and space to think about this idea and to figure out how are you going to work on it. So we've talked about gap years, right? We've talked about doing some experiments, talking to other people reading this book and considering starting a group maybe with some other people who are working on a transition. So I say time and space, what is your going to be your time and space to think about and work on this transition? And, um, and, and, and really what comes out of that is that getting out in the world, there's some combination of the stuff you have to do in your head and the Mm -hmm. stuff you have to do out in the world. And um, you may find there are times in your life where you can only work on the head part you can read a lot you can talk the phone but your life isn't structured that you can get out and have some of those experiences and then you might find though that you're ready to jump into something because you have time or you have space in your life so I think you have to do a combination of what's going to work for you
1: Marcy thank you so much this has been a great interview and lots of great resources for my listeners so I really appreciate your time today
0: Oh, my pleasure,
1: Corinne. I really appreciate it as well. This is Corinne and you've been listening to How She Really Does It. Marcy Albuquer's latest book is called The Encore Career Handbook. Thanks for joining us at How She Really Does It. Each week, I try to bring inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment for you. Each show has a takeaway, something you can implement to take those steps forward in your own journey. I'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me at my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter to get insider information as well as each podcast delivered directly into your inbox. Have a great day and I'm smiling big for you.
0: Early morning, fog is lifting. She's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide awake.